Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And here we are, rugby fans, back again with the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. And again, a reminder, my name is Ty, the Saffer Braga. Joining me, as per usual, is Scott, the big guy Ferrara. And I could say probably, as per usual now, for the next one too, Mike the Grand, Poobah Perezini. Again, welcome back, my friend. Always a pleasure to be on. I'm stacking the deck with with Rooney fans, baby. You know it. Yep. Right. <laughs> That's true. There's definitely, I think if we had to look at the numbers and like <laughs> of the guests that we've had from New York as opposed to other sides, well, that and probably Nola, right? But for obvious yeah. reasons. And in the absence of uh, of, of our other cohort, uh, Rob Hammerschmidt, who obviously isn't here today, we will say thank you for tuning in to another great episode here with the Rugby Rant Podcast team, episode 126. And as per usual, we will start in a moment with our Around the Pitch segment. We'll be back. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. So, gentlemen, you know how it goes. We're going to go quick fire around the table to be able to share what we think fans should pay attention to either now in this past week or upcoming, but wherever it may be that rugby is played, there's probably some news to share, and we're going to kick it off with Mike. So my big thing is, you know, Six Nations is going on, but the kind of the big news this past weekend was Wales versus England actually happened. Uh, for those that don't know, Wales, the Welsh, Welsh players were looking to strike and ac- actually play this game against England. Um, they were having some disputes about pay, compensation, the fact that a lot of their contracts weren't guaranteed. There was also the foreign player uh, the, the playing abroad rule where they had to play, I believe, 60 caps in Wales before they were allowed to go abroad to play. All these things kind of got hammered out. Wales was able to, you know, go ahead and play the game. And I think this is going to have a larger effect for professional rugby players around the world. You know, it it shows the bargaining power that rugby players have, especially at an international level. And hopefully this kind of trickles down to club level. And, you know, we get better, you know, compensation for professional rugby players around the world. Yeah, it's a super important point is uh, because if rugby players don't speak for themselves, who will, right? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, merit in what they're doing. Yeah, sure, it can be an inconvenience, but you got to choose your time wisely. You think it's by, you know, luck that they chose in the game before England, which is the most viewed match uh, of the uh, Six Nations, at least for Wales. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, good stuff comes from that. And I'm sure you will share it as we learn more. Let's hand it over to Scott. What have you got? Well, I'm actually stealing this topic from our buddy, the hammer. The hammer likes to go over these guys. Cause if you really, if you remember um, the MLR is trying to, to congratulate the first 50 guys to make 50 appearances, 50 caps in the MLR in their MLR career. So number 27, uh, Seattle Seawolf, Mason Peterson uh, made his 50th uh, major league rugby 
recap on Friday night uh, with the Seahawks. Uh, sea Wolves, excuse me. Number twenty-eight, Kevin Sullivan of Nola Gold Rugby. Um, Kevin uh, has what five tries, one hundred eighty-seven ball carries, two hundred sixty-three tackles, five hundred ruck arrivals in his career. Um, before he was in the MLR, he was a two thousand uh, twenty seventeen All American, uh, Pac twelve conference selection, All conference selection. And then we go over to the New England Free Jacks, Andrew Quatrin, the twenty ninth player in MLR history to achieve fifty caps. Um, he appeared sixteen times uh, for Canada, um, including the twenty nineteen World Cup. Um, he made forty eight appearances of his fifty caps with Toronto, and then these first two weeks with the Free Jacks had him. Making uh, had him becoming the 29th player in MLR history to achieve these 50 caps, and they'll continue to roll. There's there's a list. Can't wait to see it. Right, but that list, if I'm correct, only goes up to the first 50, right? Correct. I believe it was the first 50 to to make 50. Right, and that's obviously to celebrate their service to Major League Rugby, and thanks for honoring them and bringing that to our attention there, Scott. Let me dive into the next piece as I stay kind of close to home here, but turning our attention away for a moment from Major League Rugby and over to the new competition, which has changed from its former SLA into Super Rugby Americas, now with its inclusion of a North American side coming out of Glendale, Colorado, of course, known as the American Raptors, competing on their second week away. It's going to be a rough run for them as they visit several South American nations. This last attempt saw them going down to Uruguay to be able to take on Penal, who is, I believe, the 2022 SLA champions. Um, their last installment of that before it kind of changed into what it is now. Uh, the results, uh, although not favorable in uh, in terms of uh, uh, the final uh, win or loss, but it's still a lot of great merit and a lot of great effort and a lot of great uh, uh, consistency coming into this team very quickly for the American Raptors, finishing that game out with a scoreline of 28 to 19 against the Raptors. Um, this puts them at an 0 and 2 record as they continue into their third leg going to Argentina for their next matchup. And for those folks that are looking to be able to catch this action online, you can do so by following them on their own website, AmericanRaptors.com, with a free streaming opportunity for any of the Raptors games in English and in Spanish. So it'll give you a great opportunity to see what other rugby is being played overseas by our great players here um, locally. So let me hand it back over to you, Mike. What else have you got to share? Going across the pond again for this one. Um, There's a rugby player in the UK that has won her lawsuit against another rugby player, uh, Danny Sersneka. She was a 34-year-old rugby player that was hospitalized in 2017 after a dangerous and uh, revenge hit that happened on her that ended up breaking her back. Um, it you know, broke her spine. Um, she ended up suing this other woman who did this dangerous hit on her won her lawsuit that could win up to uh, 10 million dollars in compensation danny in her own right was a great athlete before the injury she's still a great athlete she's actually a paralympian um for the great britain ice hockey team for uh so it's good to see that she was able to you know recover from her injury as, as much as she could go on to achieve incredible things and now she's you know being able to kind of move past this and so this is definitely going to have, you know, reverberations around the UK and sets precedent mm-hmm. in the UK, but also might, you know, come abroad here and, you know, well, might, anywhere that is a litigious yeah. culture, yeah. And and yeah. and to add context to that, I know we spoke about it pre-show, but there was the reason or some of the reasoning um, in 
in this favorable uh, decision was because there was intent in the tackle, right? Yes. She said that yeah, in, in, it was overheard. One, one the, the woman that attacked uh, tackled her, attacked her basically, uh, was mm-hmm. a lot larger than her. And then it was overheard in a huddle that she was go- intending to quote unquote break her. And so, right. you know, it, it, there was definitely the intent was shown uh, something you'd hate you hate to see in rugby there's certainly you know we we do play an aggressive sport and there is certainly a camaraderie amongst you know uh people we play against some of my good friends are guys i've never actually played against or played with i've played against uh so it's horrible to see something like this happen uh Uh and it it definitely if there's not a lifelong ban against this this person that you know did this to her there definitely should be yeah definitely not much uh, room in this in this sport to be able to purposely try and hurt a player these days um yeah sad to hear but good to be able to see that the spirit of the warrior continues right becoming a para ap- uh, athlete uh, in any case so let me uh hand it back over to you scott uh what else can you share well actually kind of piggybacking on mike and i'm calling a little audible guys i know we didn't talk about this pre-show <laughs> but um at the rooney match on sunday um uh arrows winger um cole davis was uh involved in a, in a collision with his own player uh a collision in which a lot of people saw live uh it was not good um i know that you know immediately at halftime i was told he was conscious going into the ambulance um he is recovering he, he was evaluated uh he was discharged from the hospital he went back home with toronto today today's um, monday uh their travel day um so i just do want to say you know sometimes those collisions happen by accident and you still have those horrendous outcomes but unfortunately mm-hmm. that's the way the game is um but also speaking of that a uh, little bit of the flip side this is a cool one i've i've in recent months i've been able to do some of these and it's been like about people i know and i consider friends sam windsor man uh first guy i believe breaking 500 total mlr points um 432 with the saber cats 74 with the iron workers 14 tries 88 conversions 81 penalties he's had two seven point tries and one drop goal that drop goal happened last year in the 2022 championship to seal the deal for New York. Uh, congratulations, Sam. Um, been an OG member since 2018. Um, looking to uh, continue to uh, help the Ironworkers uh, retain that championship. And good luck for getting the next 500, Sam. Excellent stuff. Well, let me uh, dive into the last pieces. We talk about the Los Angeles Sevens, this past installment, a bit of a disappointing one on some fronts, especially for USA Rugby, who finished 13th in this competition. Um, Kind of a bit of a struggle for them of late at home. Um, And, you know, they'll be looking to be able to go to Canada in this next installment, trying to be able to get a bounce back opportunity. Um, But they fell short against Spain. I think the scoreline separated them by only two. So it was definitely a hard fought uh, competition. Tough conditions, people might add, but everybody had to play in the same conditions. So, you know, I don't know how much water that holds. Um, But what is is good to be able to see is that this side uh, is hopefully going to be able to take these lessons and put it into good practice. They currently sit overall in, in, a, in a more favorable spot at eighth position with 69 points. Uh, New Zealand came away the winners in this last installment of the Los Angeles Sevens. And uh, we hope and wish them well in Canada for the USA and all the other sides. And there you have it around the pitch, gentlemen. And we'll be back in just a few moments to be able to talk about the rant of the day. That is Mr. George Killebrew's final moments as he leads out his last stint as the MLR commissioner. And we introduce Scott Ferrara instead. Um, <laughs> you've heard the rumors. We're here to be able to say 
They're true. <laughs> or are they? Stick around and you'll get to be able to learn more about this and more just a few moments from now. Tidehead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tidehead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tidehead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tidehead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tidehead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tidehead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, rugby fans. Again, it's that time where we do what we do best here on the Rugby Rant, and that's set up the next rant. And joining me, as you know, is going to be Mike and Scott. They're going to be tackling this hardcore topic because recently it became well-known to everybody what was already known to most rugby insiders, that MLR has a new commissioner on the way, although it's not being called that. What we do know for sure is that Killebrew is out and Nick Benson is in, stepping into what will be perceived as a CEO role almost altogether taking away the commissioner title uh, as it goes with Killebrew. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, Killebrew came into Major League Rugby uh, in 2019, I believe, at the end of that uh, December. Uh, so he spent, by the end of this season, will be three seasons with Major League Rugby. There are many credits to his uh, time and his tenure. We're here to be able to discuss the merits of those as, uh, with, well, Mike will be taking the microphone first, but then we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask then Scott to be able to go next and give us what he thinks could have been better through that tenure. What would he have liked to have seen improve? What are some of the misfortunes there? And then we're going to ask them both to be able to swap and provide arguments in the opposite. That'll make it interesting and we'll have a little bit of back and forth here. And in between, I'll add some context and throw in a couple little extra questions. So gentlemen, you know the rules. You know how the game goes. Let's have a clean fight. (laughs) Mike, you're up. So I was going to say the, the biggest thing I think that Killebrew is going to be known for is going to be the survival of MLR through COVID. You know, he gets there, like you said, December 2019, by March of 2020, you know, everything's shut down. He's barely into his first season when he somehow has to steer this, you know, three-year-old league through a pandemic. And I think, you know, coming out on the other side – the league is so successful. So he must have done something right along the way. I think, you know, the players got paid, everything worked itself out. So I think his biggest thing and, you know, definitely kind of the, you know, the thing he should hang his hat on is the fact Mm -hmm. that he was able to get MLR, which was, you know, a fledgling league through COVID successfully. The other big thing I can say, you know, he, he helped grow this league as well, brought in new teams. You know, he, 
who's able to navigate, you know, this tricky area. We're continuing to grow with new teams. Like we said, we've got a new uh, Chicago team this year. We're getting a new Miami team next year. If there's anything, you know, the, I think the two biggest things that you could say that he's done is survival of the, the league and it, it's continuing to grow. So he could definitely hang yeah. his hat on those. I, I think that I'm so glad that you brought that up about making your way through COVID. And the other layer to that is the fact that each player was guaranteed their pay. I mean, livelihoods were put into this. People moved across countries, adopted new uh, ways of life, new communities. So, you know, that is definitely something to be proud of. And early on, it kind of stamped uh, an authority and a, and a positive marker on how he intends to be able to run MLR, to be able to do right by the players and, of course, their commitments that they have promised them. So that is definitely something to be proud of and great that you added that in there. And, of course, having the addition of new teams. And by my record, it is four teams uh, added to the league with Chicago, Dallas, Giltinis, and Miami. Um, and then losing two along the way. But uh, we'll dive into that, I'm sure, shortly coming. <laughs> but uh, to do that, it's best we hand it over to Scott, the big guy, Ferrara. So you, you talk about the good that Mike talked about, and obviously, you know, the players being paid through COVID, the whole nine yards, keeping the league together. Great, great, great. His tenure is going to have a lot of scandal, right? And little scandal, big scandals. I mean, I think in the history of if this league survives another 20 years, most of these scandals, nobody's going to remember me and Mike and Ty and Rob are going to talk about them because, you know, it was the heyday of, of the wild west of this league and, and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, the Giltinis and the Gilchrist era of, of this league, um, where the money was going, um, you know, Gilchrist having a hand in a whole bunch of teams. And then obviously right at the end of the season, the Giltinis and the Gronies not being able to compete in the playoffs and, you know, Houston and, and Seattle being put on notice very quickly to figure out who's who's playing, you know, um, you know, um, so it, that, I think that would be one of the biggest scandals. But we also had other scandals. We had the whole Dallas Jackals debacle in 2021, where two weeks before the season, mm -hmm. they couldn't field the team of, of players in, in which they had signed and kind of right. screwed guys like um, like our buddy Mikey Brown, who decided to sign with them as a per diem player contract to help them out. Well, that screwed him in the end because you know what? He didn't, he wasn't eligible to go in the draft to find another team. Um, I would say the way player contracts are structured to this day um, where they're owned by the league and there's very little leeway for a player to negotiate. Um, in my opinion, that's a scandal that isn't talked about uh, nearly as, as enough. Um, I, I mean, I'm going, I'm going on and on here. I'm not trying to harp on, you know, some of these, I'm, I'm sure most of these don't have direct actionable things that he could have done to change. But it still happens on his watch. Um, the second mm -hmm. biggest one, the, I think the second biggest issue um, was the fact that the league isn't unionized um, and that, you know, the, the Eagles that are unionized are trying to push ownership and, you know, with trying to get the commissioner to say, hey, owners, we need to unionize so we can collectively bargain. We can ensure safety regulations. Now, get, don't get me wrong. We see most of the safety regulations that the players have, you know, are good. And, you know, we saw that with the, you know, the Cole Davis thing recently on the field. Um, but you know you want you want it written in stone, set in the contract. So if there's a breach of contract, you have due process to, mm -hmm. to fight for it. Um, and I think the biggest thing, and people are going to disagree, but killing the name of the commissioner. So listen, when I when when we say the commissioner, Roger Goodell's name pops in your mind. You know, Manfred pops in your mind. You know, Bettman, Gary Bettman pops in your mind. Like the like people know the commissioners of the league. 
And to take it and call it the CEO, in my opinion, is is doing it a disservice, not only to the league, but to the position itself. Because it should be a almost like a a role play somebody's playing to have a a a good personality to push the league and be out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that was an ambassador, just, right? Exactly. And I think that you know, when you again when you hear a commissioner and you think of Roger Goodell, you think of guys, you know, like protesting outside during Deflate Gate. You know, you, him coming in and hugging all the guys that come and get drafted, right? Um, so, and that's a personality they built that helps the league and, and put and drives the league. So, I would say honestly, the biggest thing that we're losing, the biggest negative, is because he left. Now it's no longer called the commissioner role. Yeah, and that traditionally also fits with what uh, sports fans in the U.S. are familiar with, right? Is to be able to have this this figure ahead uh, at the top to be able to steer it like the captain of the ship, so to speak. You know, your personality, your personable. It also puts a face to be able to uh, to to the organization. Uh, so very powerful at, at marketing tool to be able to have the commissioner title still intact. Um, so uh, even me, even me, I've come attached to that title, and I'm a little disappointed now that it moves to CEO, which makes me feel like this is actually an admin position and this is entirely about business now whereas i think we lose a little bit of the personality and and, and one thing i will put into the feather of the cap for for george killebrew and having had the opportunity as you know scott and and mike to be able to have him here on the show a couple of times through interview um he's a very personable guy he's you know a great character he's a wonderful ambassador for the organization and and this he comes with a lot of great experience so uh, i i do like that last piece that you said there about the you know the misfortunes behind losing the uh, the commissioner title but of course any tenure in any leadership undergoes challenges many of those are presented in the earliest times of a young league as you pointed out scott now uh, is he directly related to and responsible for those Perhaps he didn't have a finger in every single one, but it is on his watch and it has to be evaluated because that's as any commissioner's role includes. So thank you for pointing all of those out, of which there are numerous. But the one that stood out loudest for me, in your words, is player welfare and what that may mean. And perhaps we'll dive into that when we talk about future opportunities down the road. Let's hand it back to you, Mike. And on this occasion, I'm going to challenge you to do the opposite. And you're going to tell me your in areas of improvement through the tenure for Killebrew. I was going to say, I, it's not for me, it's not necessarily the scandals. It's the transparency in what seems mm-hmm. like the cover-ups. You, you know, it's, it's not bad to be caught, you know, out in the open with something. It's bad when you try and cover up. And that's what it, it seemed like was happening with Austin. So it seemed like it was happening right. with, with LA, you know, they, they, it's not, it was not Killebrew's fault that, you know, Gilchrist was not able to pay his players or was paying them under the table or doing some right uncreative accounting. Yeah, some creative accounting. That is not his responsibility. But, you know, when you catch them doing creative accounting and you Mm -hmm. suspend them from, you know, competing the playoffs, say they're doing creative accounting. Don't let people make wild speculations. He could have kind of nipped it in the bud. Because we can be pretty creative with our uh, uh, speculations, too. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But you've got to be able to. So it's not his, you know, it's not his fault that this creative, you know, some of these scandals happen. It's the transparency. You know, we. Mm -hmm we're talking about before like rugby is such a very such a small community you know we're six degrees of separation from virtually everybody so you know the fact that you know you can't get a straight shot from or you know a straight explanation from the commissioner Mm -hmm. from the of the mlr about something that's going on 
it kind of reeks of cover up, right. and you know, especially about... when it's also so glaringly obvious oh, yeah. to majority of the rugby community who supports it, and 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 these murmurs and whispers had continued for for periods, long periods, even before that happened. So yeah, that's that's a really good example of that one. I didn't want to derail your your no. your your ranch here, so keep going there, Mike. Oh, so say, it just I think it just it comes down to his, his issue is going to be transparency. The scandals happen. Right, it is what it is. It's we did not you know we didn't right. get it's the, not the issue it's how you yet. deal with it that's the question yeah. mark and we never got even really a clear solution or ending to any of them you know the mm-hmm. the guiltini's players caught yeah you know the, the guilty there was no summary yeah there was no <laughs> like oh this this is what happened uh no, they they're you know some of them are playing around in the mlr still a lot of them are in chicago both la and austin they're there and still playing but we Gilchrist is still out there. Like the teams ended up, you know, going defunct. He's got, you know, he's got his financial woes, but there's no, to me, it feels like an unsolved and unresolved thing that's happened. So I would love Mm -hmm. for the moving forward, more transparency. And I think that was his biggest negative. Yeah. And there's a lot of fans that would, would agree with you. Um, I think from what we've said on this show, the sentiment we've always had is that fans deserve a, a, the transparency. You know, you drive five hours there and back to a match. You, you yeah. buy the beer, you buy the shirts, you buy the ticket, you bring a friend. Don't you deserve a little bit of clarity? Don't you deserve to be able to have the transparency? And my answer, and I think for everybody here, would be, yeah, of course you do. Yeah. And even after the fact, to still not have that is even more embarrassing for an organization who is reliant on such a small niche community of fans and you have plenty of opportunity to include them, but choose the opposite and therefore alienate them. So that's definitely I coming, you know, back to circling right back around to, I said, is that, you know, to Scott's point, scandals will happen. How young a league is, you will have be challenged and you will be tested. Now, when you are tested and we evaluate your scores, where do you sit? Well, we could have done this better and that's transparency. And I hope that that, is something that would be looked at in the future. And again, I'm not going to dive into that too much further right now because we're going to hold that piece (laughs) for a moment because we need to hand the mic back to Scott to be able to give us what he felt were the good points through this tenure of Killebrew. So let's let's get hot about the good points here. I mean, I think the biggest one would be um, the sponsorships, right? I mean, the Geico, American Airlines, Paladin, Rhino, obviously rugby sponsors. This new this uh, new sponsor right now, Arctic, which is the rival to to um to what you call uh, all those the, the not Traeger. Oh my God, where the the coolers? You know, the, Yeti. Uh, to Yeti, you know, the biggest rival to Yeti. Um, the, this Ali Su- they Su- did Maria. such a great job yeah. in their marketing that you couldn't even remember the other company's name. And that's what I'm saying. Like you know, that's <laughs> how Arctic is hitting. From get I, Yeti, not a sponsor, who? not a sponsor, but listen, this like things like this, right? Getting this cup that you can get personalized with with a team, personalized yeah. with your name on it, and honestly, the the just it's cheap. It's like four bucks to get it to the team logo on it, and you know it's 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 creating that relationship to have a good product to have fans invest in, right? Right. Um, Geico previously, now USI for I believe the insurance. Um, rugby now, who does the rugby shop? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Wonder why I'm talking about them. Um, but yeah, no, the sponsorships are a big thing. The television contracts starting off year one, we had CBS. We were on CBS Sports for the game of the week. You know, the championship mm-hmm. was on CBS Sports. Now we're on yep. Fox Sports Two. We're on Fox Sports One. Um, you know, and and because we got those national contracts for the national team, 
that helped the other teams set up their local contracts. Every team is on local television, TSN for Toronto, MSG for New York. Yeah, all the uh, regional roots, roots, yeah, down in, in NOLA. You know what I mean? Nesson for, for uh, New England. So that helps set up the, the, the little guys get the regional rights, right? And I think here's the kicker. The biggest thing is the contract with TRN. They're giving you just about every game live for free in the United States and Canada, right? And and don't get me wrong, it sucks when you have things like, you know, um um uh, the the first uh um San Diego Legion match being bumped. But you have to remember, we're we're the MLR. We're not NASCAR. Mm-hmm. We're not college basketball. That's where they're making their money. So we are going to get bumped. Eventually we won't. Eventually we will be on FS2 the slime the time slot we're supposed to be on FS2 and bumping college basketball at some point. So mm-hmm. just just you know, as a fan, understand what that contract entails and just be happy that we are, we, we can watch it for free on TRN and, you know, a 24 hour delay, not the worst thing in the world to, to catch those primetime matches and those primetime matches. What is what draws fans in that don't know about rugby. I had a guy that went to the Rooney match, his first Rooney match ever this weekend. He started watching rugby because of the women's world cup, because the social media for team USA rugby, the Eagles was so good that, he found it online, right? This, uh, looks up rugby. Oh my God! There's a professional team in New York. Goes to a match, not really knowing anything about rugby or the fans. Contacts me, and I hooked him up with obviously the Rugby Ramp podcast. I hooked him up with the other um, team podcasts like the Gold Diggers and Jacks Rangers, and obviously Break Time with the Big Guy and Grand Poobah, um, and and gave him you know a bunch of other podcasts to listen to to learn about rugby. Told him about TRN. Hey, did you know that we're on TRN? Did you know? that we're on MSG if you can't catch it on TRN, you know, and that's how you grab those people. One rugby mm-hmm. fan at a time, baby, let's grow the game. And that's how you Absolutely. do it. I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback that too, because uh, re- this, this past weekend, I was unable to watch the game at the bar that you're I used to go to. I was ice fishing. We caught a fish. It was great. <laughs> a fish. <laughs> a, caught a fish. We caught, we caught a pike. It was a keeper. And besides <laughs> the point. Um, but like a bunch of my teammates were like, Hey, where are we wa- like, where can we watch the game? Is it going to be on that other rugby network? That's not the rugby network that begins with an F that, you know, people have to pay for that. Everyone kind of hates. And I go, yeah. The, uh, rugby. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, no, it's going to be on the rugby network. It's a free streaming service. And everyone's like, Oh shit. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. This is amazing. It's, it's, this is something that, you know, poor rugby you know college rugby players you know guys that you know people that don't have access you know or want to spend that that ton of money it, it's great to have and i yeah. I, I think yeah TRN and, and i think that both of that. you hit the nail on the head though is that with the introduction of trn um not being placed behind a paywall whereas a lot of international rugby had gone behind a paywall now we, we could also say that there's more rugby available to american rugby f- fans than ever before but 99% of it is behind a paywall, whereas TRN isn't. And no casual fan is going to go put his money down for a subscription, no matter what the price is, if they don't already enjoy the sport. So how do you introduce them to it? Get as many eyeballs as possible to tune in. And that's a combination of the broadcast partners. And then also, in the words of, of, of uh, Killebrew himself, to paraphrase what he had said when we interviewed him, is we're tired of renting our home. We want to own it. And that's what TRN did for, for Rugby yeah. payment. He exactly. That phrase. 
yeah exactly that too so it's a it's an entirely you know from from the the stadium experience to the experience at home to watching it the quality of the broadcast the quality of the fan experience in stadium all of these things were evaluated with through a different lens the moment you had killer brew come and he said okay you guys have a great concept it's working all right for now how do we go to the next level here's how we do it and we got broadcast deals we got we got seven figure sponsorship deals which hadn't happened before we had sponsorships so we never had them at the figures that they were he knew who the partners were he knew who the contacts were he brought that in we got more teams that have now entered the league than than under any other leadership apart from its initial partners um we did lose a few along the way as well and and I'll add the Colorado Raptors although their their exit was already planned and definitive it was just pushed forward because of COVID when they left in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Giltinis and Dallas, that was, yes, on his watch. We still don't have clarity there. We we hope to be able to have it, but I think that they're just hoping, forget and forgotten, you know, leave it behind as we, we, we move, pick up the ball and move forward is this the sentiment of rugby. Well, that means that we've got Miami and Chicago uh, planned. Now, there's no surprise that Miami was already revealed as early as it was which is against tradition. We normally do it in the build-up to the next season. But that's probably because uh, he was exiting and it was nice to be able to, to, to put that feather in his cap as well to say that another team was brought in. But it was probably also closely linked to a bonus. So uh, I'm pretty sure that was worked in there somewhere as well. So lots of great points, gentlemen. I want to be able to turn it to the last part, which is the transition as we move from the Killebur era into what will be next under Nick Benson who, for those of you who aren't familiar with that name, is formerly with the Utah Warriors, has acted as a member, as an advisor, I should say, to the board for MLR, and through this relationship has now been offered the spot of CEO, removing the commissioner title, will take the helm as of the beginning of March, I think it is. Um, And what do we want to be able to see from his time? I know there's going to be a lot to be able to tackle, some of the points would naturally have an overlap of what we had hoped to see through Killebrew, but let's hand it back to you guys to be able to summarize. What do you want to see in this next era? Mike, you're up first. I want to see new fans. Um, I think we've, we're building the league and we're showing that, you know, we got, we got Chicago, we got Dallas, we're going to have Miami. Um, so we're building teams. We had that knockout game uh, in the first week where uh, San Diego had over, what, 10,000 fans? Yeah, 11,400 11, and something. Yeah, I want to be seeing, you know, 10,000, around 10,000 fans at every single match. And mm. so that means new fans. That means not just rugby players. I think we need to start looking at, you know, people that love contact sports in general. Right now we're competing in the U.S. with USFL and XFL. Mm-hmm. All actually XFL, USFL, and MLR all started on the same weekend. So you've got guys that are, you know, I know that are MLR fans and, you know, football fans that went to some XFL games, went to some, watched some MLR stuff as well. But we need to be able to, you know, trap all those people to watch, make them watch rugby. We, We can't sustain a league by ourselves. And I think for a larger part, that means that, you know, yeah, we just need to get these. It it, it sounds counterintuitive, but the existing rugby fans won't actually help grow the sport. 
they'll help continue it. They'll help continue the the, 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 the mission, but they're not going to grow it until we bring new fans to the sport. And to your point, though, I like that you brought up is that in the opening weekend, you could argue that there was competition um, from the USFL and the XFL restarting. Um, and there's arguments that they're competing against each other. But funny enough, if you look at the numbers for all of them, they've actually been really positive. There hasn't been a negative effect. If you look at San Diego, it's just a little sample. I know it's one sample, but it's a great one to be able to get over 10,000 fans, um, you know, in this case, actually over 11 for that opening weekend, which had that much competition for viewership and eyeballs. Now it's a different area, but it's still positive. It's still really good. We hit a milestone. And then when San Diego hits that milestone of 10,000 plus for an event, guess what? The MLR hits that milestone at the same time. You know, they set the bar for the others to be able to follow. And is it Seattle next if they have the ability? Sure. Does it matter if it's Free Jacks or Rooney? No. Everybody is going to win, and that's the sentiment that I like coming through there. That's the mission there. That's what we want to be able to see is a vision that is good for everybody inside the league from, the, from no matter what team you may be from. So thank you very much for that, uh, that piece there, Mike. Let me hand it to you, Scott. Okay, and, and to, to kind of piggyback on what Mike was talking about, I think one of the things they need to do is start to really hammer home um, some of the – Lack of professionalism in, in some of the teams sometimes. We're, I mean, we're going to shout them out. Dallas Jackals, that, that first week one graphic, what are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's a little unnerving that you allowed that product to leave your... your so a little bit of quality that. control is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the league needs to come down and have a discussion with those teams because every... i got to be honest, right now it only seems they're the only team that was, is having, was having that issue. Um, Chicago Hounds, a brand new team, didn't have that issue. Um, mm-hmm. I do think I do think what they need to do is figure out locally what's going on because not everything's going to work the same uniform either. You know what I mean? So like things on the East Coast aren't going to work on the West Coast and vice versa. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't cross over with things if they're successful. You should definitely try them. But like really look at you know how, how to help the teams regionally gain the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that they they also need to do. So right. so let me let me let me just before you move on to the next point. There's been some fans that have offered criticism about this point. We discussed it in a kind of different ways. A lot of people might argue, playing devil's advocate here. Well, is it the responsibility of the league itself, as the league office, to help you bring fans to the stadium, or is that the organization itself that should be doing that? And and that's the, the some of the debates online. And there can be merits in both. But it, it goes straight back to that original point. When one wins, they should all win. Absolutely. So I mean, if you, wanna, yeah, if you want to look at the NFL, look at how, how many employees the NFL as an organization, not the teams, the NFL employees that do things. And they do things like publicity and marketing to help the teams. And mm-hmm. now if you, if, if you want to have a good product on the field, right, most of these teams have a finite amount of money. You want to have a good product on the field, but you also want to have that game day and marketing experience. But most of your most of your money is on the field, so this is where the the MLR should step in as a league and help right. those teams on that administrative end. That's what I feel. That's what I mm-hmm. want to see more of. Um, the other thing is, again, the MLR should be doing this, not individual team. They they started good. They had the one good video with Shalom Suniula about rugby one hundred one. Rugby one hundred one. Yeah. So they they should be on top of leading the the mm-hmm. nation in education about rugby. Nick Benson, this mm-hmm. is where the big guys come in for your fucking job. You need to educate the public about rugby to get the new fans in because the right. number one thing i hear is they don't understand the rules 
Right? Yeah. Oh, I and, didn't even know what rugby was. You know, yeah, I didn't know what. What, what, did, what did Shalom say when we interviewed him a couple of years ago? The kid thought it was a wooden ball. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. Yeah. He thought the ball true. was made of wood. But my my point being, it, the way you capture the fans is having that stuff that's kind of dumbed down, mm-hmm. or the fan that doesn't understand and is not educated on the sport. And the reason you do it from the organization of the MLR is because the te- nine times out of ten, the teens are already dealing with rugby fans right so as a rugby fan you're going to hear a complaint if you're starting to dumb it down a little bit so that's why it should come from the organization right so that way the teams still have what they have and the organization is saying this is what rugby's about and we're in schenectady new york or we're up by mike in albany oh my god did you ever hear about the iron workers we're in vermont you know wherever have you heard about the free jacks we're in outside of toronto have you heard about the arrows but as the organization saying this is what rugby is about, then push them towards yep. their local, their local team. That's really, really good stuff there, Scott, because it's like a two prong approach that if I, as the MLR office, could draw enough attention to what you're doing locally for your side and, and tickets are being bought and purchased indirectly or directly through this marketing your job is just to be able to make sure they have a great experience in the, in, in the stands, you know, put great quality on the uh, product on the field, wonderful experience as a fan engagement uh, with, with, with players after the party, you know, give them the full rugby experience. If you can bring people there as the league, you're going to be such an incredible asset to each team and they can take over from there. And, and you gotta, the other thing is, and again, this is on the league. I want to put this on the league. There are superstars in this country who watch rugby. Have you really reached out to them? Recently, superstar comedian Tom Segura worked out with Jason Momoa, and they were both wearing fucking all-black shirts. You're telling (laughs) me you couldn't throw a fucking, you know, NOLA shirt their way? Like, you didn't contact, you're not contacting these people? The Rock, right? The Rock talks about his time playing rugby. Get The Rock to an MLR match. I'm sure he'll go. If he yeah. loves rugby that much and he talks about rugby that Jason Momoa loves to hang out with the All Blacks, that's great. But if he's in the states, mm-hmm. get him to a fucking Seattle match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like get the, get there's tons of people. There's you know, and it depends on what relationship you want to have. But bar and, and it's not even only here locally. Mm-hmm. Just recently, all through you know South African media, Kevin Hart was doing several shows, and you know he had a jersey, Springbok jersey, handed to him by Sia Khaleesi. You know the whole story, the whole thing. You know connected with it, came back and has pledged money to rugby development in poorer communities in South Africa. Now I love the fact that it's going to a good place, but that's a guy who was willing to give to rugby, and it could have been here as well. Rock Nation is is signing players. Right. There we go. As yeah. an as an agency well, that are a, outside of the United that. States for rugby, and that's good for their business. But how the fuck has the MLR? And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they're going to come in because listen, they're not going to take the the contracts aren't big. In the, but I was going to say we're, we're not that cavalry yet. Get make make that connection and have the Rock Nation guys at the final and just have a picture with the commissioner and throw mm-hmm. that on social media. Like that's the type of stuff that'll take us from where we are that next step of professionalism but it has to come from the league and it to me and again this is maybe a transparency thing because we don't we're not in the inner workings of the league but to me it's like they don't even see that you know right. the barstool sports guys there's a couple guys in barstool sports that are big rugby guys who played rugby in college and you kind of see them like uh uh P- pft went PFT. to pft went to ogs because he's from the maryland area you know, Kate at Barstool is a, is a Maryland area or a Virginia area rugby player, but they they're up in New York and they travel to LA and they go here and there. And while PFT showed up to the match, there was no MLR thing about it. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's another segment you want to rope into. 
like you could there's all these different places that you can rope into bigger organizations right and that's building relationships outside of your organization that don't cost you a lot of money but they do cost time and that's sometimes the greatest resource that that the mlr doesn't have available to them uh well like with any organization that's growing but the but the message that you're delivering is certainly being heard loud and clear marketing 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 bring more people to the game by building its general awareness with rugby fans, with sports fans in general, or with just any other average day American, whether it be through uh, film stars, comedians, whatever it is, the more connections you can make that allows them to find rugby, the better it is. And they don't have to be expensive. They just need to be imaginative. And again, that's kind of what we, we spoke about off camera is tradition versus innovation, right? We've done the traditional ways are trying to engage audiences. Let's be more innovative in how we do it. Let's, in the let's, let's end it on this. Nick Benson, I'm coming for your job. I'm coming <laughs> for your spot. It is not safe. You hear that music in the background? That's John Williams telling the orchestra play the Jaws music because the big guy's coming. Get it done or the big guy's coming. I like it. I like it. A firm, firm uh, statement from Scott, the big guy, Ferrara, future MLR commissioner. He's bringing the title back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, again, as is a bit of a tradition, um, thank you again to our guests. Uh, Mike, the Grand Poobah Perizzini. It has been great to be able to have you back with us. Uh, you certainly are one of the uh, the uh, the, uh, the top uh, ranters for us. And again, again, that's why it's so easy to bring you back. But you know, it's a bit of a tradition. I hand the mic back to you to send a shout out to anybody you think deserves it. I think the shout out I'm going to do, it goes out to grassroots rugby in general. Um, I, for me, I believe the future of rugby in the U.S. is grassroots rugby. They're the ones that seem to be bringing in new players, you know, to learn the game. They're the ones going – kids are going out to the bars, showing the game to people, talking to people. Mm-hmm. I think the future of rugby in the U.S. is grassroots. They're the guys that have kids that are bringing the, their kids to rugby games and bringing them up. And so I think – I'm going to say this right now because we're about to start our spring season. Pay your fucking dues. As a as a former club president, pay your fucking club dues because th- that helps your your team. You know, go to the bar. You know, meet a new person. T- go up to them. Say, hey, how would you like to play rugby? You know, how many times I've done that and gotten you know players to do that, or at least they'll be interested and look at it, and maybe they'll become an MLR fan. So do your you know do your due diligence. It's it's not just going to be MLR that has to do the work. We have to put in the work too and put in some effort to gain fans. Uh, so yeah. Shout out to grassroots people and grassroots rugby. Do your job and pay your fucking dues. Check Mike out. He saved his best rant for the end. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But well said, though. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Pay your dues, due diligence, do on due when they do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Mike, as per usual, it's been a blast. And to all those fans that have continued to be able to stick around with us, thank you. It certainly couldn't be done without your support. Not only what we do, but what rugby does to be able to be the entertaining sport it is across the nations and especially closer to home in Canada and, of course, the U.S., as we find ourselves being one of the premier podcast services to you as the rugby fan. Why? Because we aim to grow rugby one fan at a time. And that's all done with your help and will continue to be done with your help
help and with the help of our sponsors. But if you want to learn more about our upcoming episodes or perhaps revisit one of our old episodes, whether it be the RPK or one of the great rants that you find interesting, you can find us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on all social media platforms and, of course, streaming on all major platforms that you may find us week after week here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. On behalf of Scott, the big guy, Ferrara, my name is Ty, the Sapper Braga, and, of course, a big thank you one more time to Mike, the Grand Poobah Perezini. Thank you for watching episode 126, and we will see you at the next. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.